0: You're listening to The Elephant Test. We're dedicated to the B2B marketing community and here to explore the practices, thoughts, and ideas of effective B2B marketing executives. Hi, this is Sky Cassidy and Alicia Garvalia. Hi, guys. Thank you for joining us on The Elephant Test.
1: Today, we're joined by Lori Beasley. She's the co-founder and president of Beasley Direct Online Marketing, Inc., and Ms. Beasley serves as the President and Online Marketing Instructor for direct the Direct Marketing Association of Northern California. Thanks so much for being on today.
2: That is my pleasure. Thank you.
0: So um, before we jump into the topic today, which is going to be um, uh, meeting maker campaigns and uh, multi-touch uh, marketing, I just kind of wanted to get a little history from you, Lori, where you came from, how you got into uh The uh, the marketing field and and all that kind of good stuff.
2: Well, thank you, Sky. Uh, I started out on the client side. I worked uh, for a company in the early '80s that was a computer manufacturer named Televideo Systems uh, in the marketing department. And then I got a job at Borland International, which was a software company in uh, Scotts Valley, California. And I moved out of Borland. Oh, that's exciting. I'm from Felton. <laughs> <laughs> wow, little old Felton. Anyways, um, so I started at Borland as a marketing communications manager. And back then, um, the software distribution network was, uh, uh, and retail network was controlled by uh, just a few companies, Microsoft and Lotus, uh, were, were uh, very much um, controlling the, the the allocation of self, shelf space in stores. And uh, our CEO, Lee Khan, uh, came back from some meetings with uh, the major distributors when he wanted to launch some of his software development products. And uh, they weren't real excited about giving him shelf space. And um, so he basically came to the marketing director and myself and said, I'm going to give you a whole lot of money and I just want you to go sell these products direct. And so that uh, started a... A uh, fabulous journey for me of learning direct marketing through mailing millions and millions of pieces of mail. Uh, and
0: testing. The whole lot of money part always sounds great when people come in right? and start with, yeah. I want to give you a lot of money. Here's
2: a bunch of money. Go figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And he was very entrepreneurial. Uh, he, and he was a, a real trailblazer. I, I have so much respect for him and, and how independent he was and, and all he accomplished in the software industry, uh, was incredible. Um, it sounds like
0: they had a lot of faith in you. Um, Mm -hmm. was that just a personal connection? They knew you well working together and, uh, said, we're sure that Lori can do this. Was it blind faith? Uh, how did you sell them to to give you a lot of money and just say, go do it. Great
2: (laughs) question. Uh, you know, we were, I was very organized. I was a great program manager, and that's really what it took. Uh, I hired some great agencies, uh, some great vendors to help us with it, and I managed the vendors uh, and managed the testing methodology around, uh, you know, there was multiple products to launch, multiple upgrades. We were mailing customers with upgrades. We were mailing prospects, uh, prospect offers. Uh, Learned some incredible things about what offers were attractive and what were not uh, attractive. And in the end, uh, when I was done working at Borland, um, I decided to start a family. And uh, they actually hired me back as a contractor, one of the first Silicon Valley contractors, really to manage uh, Borland Canada's and, and launch a direct marketing program to bond Borland Canada that I managed basically from my home and uh, would just blow up, fly up there once a quarter to meet with their sales division. And then from there, there were many other Silicon Valley companies, um, Apple, uh, Compaq, Palm, uh, that were very interested in this uh, software direct mail upgrade business that we had initiated at Borland that I replicated the model in several of those companies. And uh, eventually, they sort of kind of came, I came to the conclusion that I was writing business plans and developing models for them, and they were handing over creative part to their advertising agencies or internal graphics department to execute, and they were kind of blowing it. They weren't writing oh, no. great copy. They weren't doing great design. They weren't doing uh, award winning creative. But also, I just decided that's that always not. tough. So, you <laughs> didn't have
0: control over the whole process. So, yeah. sometimes it wouldn't go great. Right. And so, I decided you probably to probably get start... blamed as the outside person, too.
2: Well, I decided to start an agency. So, I hired creative people and so that lined up my printing vendors and just started doing the whole package. And that was great, into, you know. Through the eighties and into the nineties, the dot coms uh, you know whole thing happened and we became our agency became experts at email marketing, at web design, search marketing, uh, and into the two thousands we're into social media advertising, retargeting and, and all of the, you know, incredible media around there and also uh now account based marketing and all the great things you can do to target specific accounts and new generation artificial you, intelligence. You
0: basically just continually evolve from right. being inside marketing at right. that company to to moving yourself outside with one niche and then just every new marketing uh what technique that came along, yeah. adding it to your tool belt and but I've also and been now. an
2: educator. So I started uh the Uh, Interactive Marketing Certification Program at San Jose State Professional Development Studies, Um, move that program to uh, UCLA Extension, move the same program to uh, uh, UC Santa Cruz uh, Extension in Silicon Valley, Seattle Central uh, College, and then eventually to the Online Marketing Institute, and then full circle back to the Direct Marketing Association. Which has allowed us to offer a cutting edge
0: certification program. Uh, so, the, so the DMA is kind of known for direct mailers. I think that's where, it, and it seems like that's kind of where you started in the in this industry was really figuring out how to do the direct mail for software. So you've kind of gone full circle around from from doing that, getting into every type of marketing as it came along as Silicon yeah. Valley evolved, and then now your your uh, DMA uh, NorCal um set up there you're you're kind of back to a uh, full circle to the to the origins of uh, physical direct mailers a bit
2: i am and the industry is moving that way um the key, it the is key to marketing to um the key to marketing and the biggest challenge in marketing these days is engagement uh mm. especially in b2b uh people who work uh, in B two B, are typically doing the job of five people. Uh, every person I know in Silicon Valley, especially, is totally overworked. They have a horrible commute. They are grouchy mm-hmm. most of the time. Most of my clients are some grouchy, semi grouchy <laughs> people because you're they like have I also need to my
1: some meditation classes. Yeah, <laughs> right. They all need to take some meditation.
2: When people think
0: other. of Silicon Valley, they don't think of overworked grouches.
2: Uh, you know, they, they, are.
0: they do a good job yeah. of branding themselves differently as, uh, you know, just kind of cool California what startup. But in Google reality. Google
1: needs to have those like nap pods? Because they're like, you're <laughs> mm-hmm. so grouchy. Go take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> that's wow. Exactly that's a good point. Need a we
0: need a nap pod here for grouches. I think
1: we do. Yeah. Can we have a nap pod? I want a <laughs> nap
2: pod. <laughs> so, 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 you know, the, so – okay so that's who, that's the prospect that's who you're marketing to the people who are doing the jobs of three people uh totally overworked overtasked, and have very measurable goals and responsibilities that they have to accomplish by the end of the quarter and they're mm-hmm. working nights and weekends to get that all done and so here you are joe marketer of a company or your brand and you're interrupting them in this very busy life of mm-hmm. theirs And um, how are you going to do that? Uh, Okay, yeah, you're going to send them email. Well, certain very small percentage of people will look at your email. Um, Okay, they're if they're researching something, they will look for you on the internet. So yeah, you better do a very good job of making sure your website is is optimized for organic search, so they actually can find you if they're looking for a solution. And yeah, you better be paying for some pay-per-click advertising because you want to make sure you're at the top of the page if they're motivated to come find you so and and yeah you should be producing some great content because they you know need information and you should be the one that they recognize as the purveyor of the best best information on the solution that you're looking for
0: besides the email which you mentioned at first you mentioned the email which is kind of a Diminishing in its dominance and how good it is at at lead generation and stuff. Yeah. Um. As as people get sick of it, I think. Uh, the other things you said are kind of passive they activities. Are. They're inbound. Where you're just you're putting stuff out and hoping people, uh, hope hoping people show up.
2: You hope that they find you if if they're hope that they're looking. Coaching. Yeah. And you yeah. and you hope that they are looking for your, for you or your solution. But so what if they're not? And what if they're out there? And you know you have a good solution for a problem that you know they have to be suffering from. And you want to get that value proposition out in front of them. And and you want to try to get them so engaged in that discussion with you that, they're that value proposition that you want to actually get them to attend a demo or talk to one of your salespeople.
0: Right. So what if your marketing is hungry and wants to be aggressive? Basically, there's a lot of things you couldn't, should be doing that are passive stuff, but um, there's, there's also some, uh, some more aggressive uh, activities.
2: Yeah. And so what, what they are and what they're called is uh, some people call them media maker campaigns uh, some people call them appointment setting campaigns, um, what, how, whatever you want to call it. It, it. it is a methodology and I've worked on this. I've won several awards for these programs from the DMA and other, other uh, awards organizations of um, creating these campaigns and executing them with multiple touches and developing appointments for sales to either do a demo uh, on the phone or in person or have some kind of conversation. And in the end, the participant is rewarded very nicely for their, their time and energy that they put into it.
0: And sales loves that. I know from in here, when, when we uh, leads are generated internally that are handed off to sales, where it says, hey, we spoke with these people, here's mm-hmm. what's going on. Boy, do they love that over... Mm-hmm. You know, some sort of random, either just a call right. list, call these people, or hey, these guys visited our site, or well, we uh, think he's the,
2: maybe they love everything. You yeah, <laughs> but
0: they really love having, uh, especially. I mean, in B two B marketing specifically, I'm sure consumer marketing. You know, you're not going to be setting appointments with people that, there, but B two B marketing, boy, do salespeople love it when marketing hands them a meeting. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely, and and a meeting where someone's engaged and educated enough to know, enough to even want to do the meeting. I I can tell you that most of the companies that I'm doing these programs for are selling to C-level people in IT and director level people in IT or financial services or some high level person and honestly, they are not going to give you the time of day if they don't think that you have something good for them. Even if right. you're offering them some gift of two hundred dollars they're not gonna they're not going do right. they I don't, don't mean, have the time they just I, mean, I might be interested in that meeting, but they right. don't what you're
0: they're trying to sell them fun. needs to have value basically they're not right. interested in a Starbucks gift card you're talking right. to c level right. people, not unemployed people kind of so one question and then I want you to are kind you of break down unemployed? <laughs> just because you not want a Starbucks <laughs> gift card I guess some people are still influenced by that but um <laughs> i i got a question then I want you to kind of break down the meeting maker campaigns and multi touch how it how how you guys do it how it works for you um okay. but uh first, I have to uh try to remember what that uh what the question is <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a question, I let me a, say, and then I wanted you to break it down you know go ahead alicia
1: i have i have a question so you know obviously this is a multi touch uh type it's a type of multi touch campaign um so I guess, what are the – well, I'm not sure if this is the right place to start, but what types of platforms mm-hmm. would you start with or what types of channels? Okay. Where do we start? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so what we mean by multi-touch is uh, usually using uh, email as one, two, and three parts of the touches using direct mail, often a very interesting sort of dimensional unusual shape kind of direct mail and yeah. and uh teleprospecting which in and of itself has several touch points so if i right, put of it
1: right so each channel has a different mm-hmm. right
2: so if i put it in a straight line of touch one touch two touch three touch four this is kind of how uh we typically will do it the first thing we do is we put the direct mail piece out there we send it to the that extra UPS, it arrives. You got to give it some time to circulate throughout the company. So we give that a week to get to the person's death.
1: A week from when it arrives mm-hmm. to when you call.
2: Yeah. Then okay. we then at the one week part point we send an email and the next day we start the teleprospecting. And by the way, we try to we try to phase it. Because mm-hmm. we know that the teleprospecting only has X amount of resources. And so we try to make right. it so that we only send enough so that the teleprospecting people can get through their first touch, their first calls in the, in that week. And so we, oh, give right, them, right. so we give them a week or two to get through that group. And then we send email number two. which So is,
0: theoretically, if the telephone team can handle a hundred calls, let's just say a thousand calls yeah. in a week. You would only send out 1,000 direct mails, 1,000 emails, and and you kind of send it in waves like that.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting.
0: The direct mail. One question on the direct mail. Do you send that to the company in general, or do you send it to a specific contact?
2: A specific contact, and this is where it becomes very important. We usually have vetted that contact by some recall validation. So we work with a, we'll typically work with a really good list vendor, like the company Sky, not um, talk Data. And we'll also- Good choice. Do some <laughs> pre, we'll do some pre-calling um, just to validate, make sure that contact's still there. Because remember, we're sending them, uh, you know, a direct mail piece that probably costs $30 yep. to print and produce, right? And, and these are typically
0: um, higher level contacts, I think you're sending. So yeah. usually that yeah. they're pretty stable.
2: So, you know, yeah, really, honestly, to perform, you guys bring up a good point. The first phase in this touch sequence is really the validation call. Uh, yeah, we've got to set in
1: things like this, the whole prep process. We're yeah. all like, okay, it's going to be a five-week process. No, it's yeah. going to be a six-week process. We need a week in there for prep.
0: <laughs> One thing that I have uh, recommended to people when they're doing this sort of a multi-touch uh, thing and they don't have the resources for the the validation is mm-hmm. to swap the direct mail and the email. So at least with the email, oh, okay. since it's automated, they can then scrub out contacts mm-hmm. that are found yeah. to be bad at that step and not uh, have the direct mail cost for it. But yeah. I think you obviously have the validation part down and have yeah. found that, that, that this order works best when, when done properly. So I guess I'd say that's kind of a, uh, a way to cut corners a little bit if you have to.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea
0: but yeah a
1: a good idea and a bad idea
0: it's probably not as successful uh, which is why you do the direct mail first but right
2: i want to know about
0: that for companies that don't have the resources
2: i'll tell you why i do the direct mail first um the direct mail and the email first and that is engagement okay getting people engaged to talk to you a part of the script is you sent you a incredible offer in a direct mail campaign and it probably came to you in a box did you get it and and they're like oh no let me look around for it and you know they get very intrigued that a box came to them or yeah i got it and i opened it you know those are the two typical responses majority of them say yeah i got it and i opened it and 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 usually what we're sending is very intriguing so it's something that can make someone pull the 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 box open and look and see what's inside. I've and seen your pieces and they
0: are and awesome. And I think stuff. you probably have examples on your site. Uh, I'm not looking to, to plug your company directly, uh, Beasley Direct at this point. Um, but it, I think that high quality direct mail piece, like you're saying, goes a really long ways. I get high quality direct mail pieces. And even if I have zero interest and in they're way off target, when they fall follow, follow up with a call, and they almost always do... I always take their call just to give them the time of day because the mail, I can tell there was, you know, thought that went into their piece. It was off target, but I'm still going to take the call and tell them like, Hey, here's what's going on, which I know for SDRs, we were talking about how salespeople love being handed these kind of leads. Mm -hmm. SDRs love being handed warmed up stuff where they say, Hey, here's steps that have been done. When you call, these people aren't going to blow you off. They're going to say, Oh yeah, I remember that piece. I've told people, yeah, I remember that. I threw it away. It was awesome, but not for me. Um, or then I'll I'll even continue talking to them uh, just because of the quality of the mail. Piece. I'm
1: just going to put this out there. If anyone wants to sell to me and send me direct mail, they should send <laughs> me a really good tasting cake. You want, you want, let you anyone, mean, anyone listening?
0: Mail you a cake.
1: I mean, or deliver, whatever. <laughs> There's like cake on delivery. There's got to be like demand cupcakes, okay? There's uh, just like... I'm just saying. Anyone who wants to sell me things should bring. Send me, me a cake.
0: cake. <laughs> if you want to sell Alicia a mountaintop <laughs> so data. There right now There's a, if you can get like if you're ten cakes right now, now, we'll know it worked. <laughs>
1: That'd be great.
0: You're gonna have to buy something. If <laughs> they send you a cake so now, you amazing. have to buy. You just find so a I went i like,
2: ah well no, you'd have to buy,
0: have to buy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have to buy. We
2: okay, would. well I've added that to the Christmas list for you, Alicia. Whoa. You guys uh, <laughs> interrupted my description of my Oh, hands. sorry about uh, that. Yeah, 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 we were on number five. Yeah, we were getting distracted by cake here. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, so there's pre-qual- phase one, pre-qual the data. Phase two, send the direct mail, give it a week to deliver, then send an email, and then do the teleprospecting. There are several touches that happen, touch points that happen in the teleprospecting phase. Which could involve the teleprospector leaving a message, the teleprospector themselves sending an email saying, "Hey, I'm from so and so. We sent you a gift. I want to talk to you about it." Um, They could contact them on social media. So there's lots Mm -hmm. of many other touches happening in sort of the teleprospecting phase, and then um, at some point we decide, okay. We've put enough teleprospecting effort into it. We're going to send a uh, last chance email that says you've got five, 10, 30 days, whatever we decide to uh, to redeem um, this offer. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, last chance doesn't usually do that much for us except for give us one more, you know, kind of excuse to call uh, people right. and say, uh, you know, that's... Uh, this time this offer that for this incredible gift is is uh coming to a close and we just love to catch you and and help you be included in this program and and blah de blah um and let's talk about some of the kind of the incredible metrics that we get out of these programs
0: excellent Uh, that's what i was going to ask i know every campaign is going to vary a bit but is there some sort of a you know lead percentage rate you typically see that kind of stuff
2: yeah um There's nothing typical, but I can give you a case study um, that is a a program that we ran for a major uh, cloud services networking company in Silicon Valley. Is this an unnamed cloud services, specifically unnamed? Okay.
1: I would imagine
0: you probably have NDAs with almost every client, if not every client you have.
2: Yes, that is true. Uh, that always
0: makes it hard to brag, but so, well,
2: yeah. That's, let's, just that's no. let's
0: just call them Apple. Let's just call them Apple. I was about
1: to be like, I think I know who that is, but we'll I'm make not up going a
0: name say. that's obviously not the right company. <laughs> um, it's
2: not Apple, I can tell you that. Any,
0: anyway, uh, sorry. I oh, come on. Lord, I was waiting for the cease and desist order from them.
2: <laughs> yeah, it would come very quickly. Yep. So, so you
0: send the uh, the last chance email out. And then, oh, one more question. I know I want to get to the rates and the case study, but the phone call and um and you know other little micro touches you do in that stage before the last chance. What kind of time frame is that usually spread out? Is that a week worth of phone calls? Is it a month's worth? Uh, like how long are you uh, are they are your people yeah. knocking on their doors with that stage?
2: It, we're we're gonna probably do it for you know all the different mini touches probably in a three to four week period, um, and this is um. This is an important point, and it's a great question, Sky. Uh, I know many, many companies and agencies that compete with us in this business. Um, actually, there's not that many that do specifically what we do, but I know that they limit it to three calls, and um, they're just looking
0: th- for low-hanging fruit, basically.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a huge mistake. Because, uh, I, and I, write, I wrote a white paper titled this, it takes seven to 13, why it takes seven to 13 touches to get to a qualified sales opportunity. You
0: it have- seems like if you're investing as much as you have invested at that point, a direct mm-hmm. mail, the mail, the validation, everything, and then you make three phone calls. Yeah. You're leaving so much on the table you are, of, yeah. of your investment.
1: Well, so so what's interesting here is you say 7 to 13. Let me just clarify this 7 to 13 number. You're saying that it takes 7 to 13 marketing touches Mm -hmm. for a teleprospector to get through?
2: It's total. So the touches can including the the direct mail, the email, the mini touches within the teleprospecting sequence. Yes.
1: So is this a specifically B2B number or is this including B2C?
2: Well, it's it's uh, B2B, uh, but also B2C for anything that's a two-step sale process, which could mm-hmm. include uh, a new driveway or, uh, you know, window, new window. Right, window a dryer. People don't buy them over the internet. They need to talk to a salesperson. Right. Okay.
0: Right. Non, not one-click buys, basically. Right, they're going to
1: go, like, they need to measure, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So So I keep
0: distracting you from the task, but I think then
2: um, I was going to talk about results. I want to get
0: back to the case study. Yeah. Oh, results and then case study. Yes.
2: Yeah. So we did a program exactly like how I just described, um, and we were selling uh, cloud backup solutions to people who they we had profiled probably were doing their 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 backups using tape, uh, which is. Uh, a widely used but widely considered antiquated backup technology and we were trying to get them to consider how advantageous doing their big data backups to to the cloud would be and so we sent them uh, a very intriguing uh direct mail piece that kind of played had some humor in it and uh, uh help them uh, understand the value proposition of why why tapes uh have some inherent uh flaws and dangers in them and why cloud is so much better we sent out to uh 1,300 prospects that were pretty much handpicked by 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 the uh, by the client and in, in consultation with their sales rep and um at the two-month mark, which was the end of the program, we had scheduled 230 demo appointments.
0: Wow. And those are actually That's people
2: awesome. who showed up. Uh, 230 demo. demos in... Mm-hmm. What 230 it, how long did you say it was? Two,
0: one month or two months?
2: Two, after eight weeks, we, we cut the program That's off.
0: That's awesome. Wow. So I have a quick something yeah. to add here. Maybe you already <laughs> yeah. did this. I thought it was a great idea as you are saying this, but if you're selling, trying to uh, get people to switch from tape to um to a cloud-based backup and you're mm-hmm. sending them a physical mailer using a bunch of magnetic tape unspooled mm-hmm. as the packing material yeah. in a physical mailer <laughs> might get their attention and say here's your here's all your data sorry if you want to respool it <laughs> <laughs> We actually thought but, of that. Uh, <laughs> oh, good, good. I was like, please don't let me get embarrassed here. Yeah, um, that would be fantastic. Yeah, it seems like it'll be fun, but maybe very time consuming to collect all that uh, all that magnetic tape and, and pack it in somehow. Um, that I, and is I wanted to talk awesome. About some kind
2: of interesting things too that we learned in this program because a lot of people say direct mail. That's so old, you know, it's old fashioned. And why are you using direct mail? Couldn't we just do an email and teleprospecting and 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 there's always the doubters out there and the little focus groups of one that are that are uh, that are the the, the poo-poo par- party out there. And um you know, some interesting things happen when you send out a direct mail. Well I'm one of pause the-
1: you right there because we actually need to take a break. But I'm really interested in what happens t- for the direct mail and why, you know, whether this poo-poo is right or why you're using it. So okay. let's go ahead and take a break okay. and then when we come back We will find out about direct mail.
0: Why direct mail? Why direct mail? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, Lori. We'll be right back.
1: If you're thinking about measuring employee engagement in your organization, DecisionWise released its annual State of Employee Engagement Report, featuring 33 insights and five key findings to increase engagement. Check them out at decision-wise.com.
0: All right. We're back from the break. This is uh, Sky Cassidy and Alicia Garvalia.
1: We're here with Lori Beasley today and she is just about to talk to us about why direct marketing or not why direct, direct why, mail, why yeah. direct mail still exists.
0: And I was going to uh, kind of add on to what you were saying before the break, Lori, of you know people second guess sh- seriously should we be doing direct mail. Our company Mountaintop Data is we email marketing company. That was our focus. Now we're a general data company with data points across the board, but We strongly believe in direct mail, even though, you know, our core is in email marketing, Um, email marketing, still great, not as good as it used to be Mm. Uh, direct mail better than it used to be. Uh, It's making a a big comeback, I think, and especially when used in kind of the cadences you're talking about here in conjunction with other stuff. Anybody who's thinks uh, poo-poo's direct mail um, is making a big mistake.
1: So, yes, tell us about this
2: yeah so um i've had several clients who brought us to their next job and even their next job after that and so they have run programs these media maker type of programs in, in previous companies and want to bring it into their next company because they believe in it so much and of course we're always called upon to explain it the concept to others in the in their new company and there's always the doubters out there that are like what? Well, Direct mail, it's just, that's just a, such an old technology. We should be doing these fantastic online programs and video and this and that. And um, and I, I I always have to educate them about what makes direct mail really work in these meeting maker programs. Uh, and it's not as
0: sexy, so people never want to touch it. They want to do well, kind of the new sexy stuff.
2: Yeah, well... Um, for one thing, anybody who doubts um, whether the younger generation looks at and reads direct mail uh, should look at the DMA statistical fact book. Uh, the DMA National, uh, the-dma.org, sells a statistical fact book uh, that they update every year and they measure um, how millennials react to different uh, marketing channels. And uh, over 70% of millennials say that they open their mail immediately when it comes to their house. And they don't get as much I, of it.
0: They get a ton of email, so they ignore it. They don't get much. I mean, it's what marketing well, being is. Being a gotta... millennial,
1: I think <laughs> – no, seriously. I think that we grew up with mail – I mean, A, when you're younger, you, mail is an exciting thing. Um, yeah. And B, uh, we didn't get – like overloaded on junk. I mean, a junk mail just kind of was a thing growing up. Like that's just like a a normal everyday thing Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, we weed out obviously when we get our mail, but um, I don't think we were as like appalled by it as maybe our parents were that it was, oh, they're stealing our addresses and mailing to us. And how dare they? We're kind of like, yeah, it's a thing. And as well as if you send me something pretty in the mail, that's not just like a normal, um, you know, d- direct mail, whatever. Here's your bill, kind of looking thing. I don't want it if it's a bill. Right? If it looks like it's gonna be a bill, I don't want to yeah.
0: open it. I, that's know? what I was gonna get to, Lori. The calling it a mail piece isn't really fair, or right. calling it direct but mail if it's isn't really pretty fair. Or a box or something yeah. that's exciting. The type of I thing, thing that, that you guys really push, like, is a world. <laughs> I have letters at home right now. I can think of sitting on the table because I look at the letter and I say, I know what this is. Yeah, it's a letter pitching me some sort of financial service or whatever it is, and I maybe I'll you know, tear it in half and glance inside eventually. Um, and maybe I won't, but the type of male pieces you're talking about are, yeah, are, are very different. They're and very they catch your eye because high-end. of the targeted B2B nature they're of them. They're very high end. Much more effective. very
2: sexy. Sometimes they're encased in leather. I mean, sometimes yeah. they're encased in gold and brass. I mean, they're very high end pieces. But, I just want to make sure uh, people aren't thinking that it's be, a it's
0: an envelope that they're getting with the address yeah, on is what you guys send it's a not for these it's quite campaigns, a different thing
2: but but I want to you know I'm trying to describe the education process that we go to explain to new people and companies about these media maker programs because there's a certain amount of prejudice against direct mail but when when someone in a company gets a box usually it looks like an amazon box or it's usually kind of generically labeled so they don't want really to know exactly who it's coming from. They usually go, ooh, ah, let's open this box. And then mm-hmm. inside of this box is something else, usually our dimensional piece that we're putting into it, and it's usually very sexy looking. And they have to open the lid, and they they see some components inside of it. Sometimes we include something intriguing, like a little tool or something that they can have and keep. That's an allegory to what the real offer is going to be. Have you ever
0: sent a glitter bomb to somebody? Yeah,
2: that's bad. Maybe Um, after
0: your after your breakup (laughs) email, say have it be. By the way, we're going to send you a glitter bomb if you don't respond.
2: Anyways, so what does direct mail do? Um, it creates a, it creates an engagement that ooh, ah, somebody sent me something. Second, if if you've done the creative well on it, it draws them into the piece. And it also draws them into your value proposition. In an email, if they even read it, you have maybe, what, three paragraphs to talk about your value proposition. And a direct mail piece, <laughs> you have a letter, which, by the way, statistically, over 100 years of direct mail testing, the letter is the most read piece. You can have a little brochure, you can have a little lift note in it that talks about the offer if they'll get on a call with a salesperson. So you have much more real estate to actually talk about your product, which is probably a pretty high-priced product and a very high. Um, highly technical product that requires some understanding to understand why I should even be interested in this and why I should have a conversation with someone secondly there's this memorability factor when the telemarketer calls um, you know we sent you this box oh yeah we got it and uh, I listen to recordings of, of our calls because I'm always keeping track of all the metrics in these programs and I would tell you that ninety percent of the calls they they remembered getting this thing. Well, wow, that is incredible engagement right there. Yeah,
0: yeah
1: talk yeah. about impressions. You know, you can't you can't buy impressions like that. <laughs> and the yeah.
0: callers, all they're asking for is a foot in the door, some way for right. somebody yeah. to not hang up on them or make up their mind immediately. Distract there, them <laughs> with the fact that you sent them a box. Here's um, another
2: thing that it does for you. So. You know, you're still, even if you pre-qualify your list, you're still guessing that the person that you're sending it to is the right person in the company to make the decision for whatever you're trying to sell. Well, on a certain percentage of people, it's going to be the wrong person, but you need to earn the right to be referred to the right Mm. person in the company. And, and they might be involved, someone, but
0: not ultimately the, the lead contact kind of.
2: Right. If you send someone something like this and you get them engaged in the conversation, you have a much higher likelihood of getting them to point you to the right person in the company. And I've done that. I know Yeah. to your yep. list and you can send them the right person, the box and. You can, you know, have that re- that re- that referral to the right decision maker is goal. And this whole building a qualified sales opportunity, you know, So when you get
0: when somebody refers, you put them back into the process mm-hmm. and resend the mailer to that person.
2: Get to the correct person, yes. And we start okay. that whole stream over again.
0: Question on the mailer also: Is the mm-hmm. mailer? specifically to set up, is everything to set up the, the person calling in your, your sales development rep, let's say calling in to get an appointment. Um, is everything to set up that, or does the mailer and the email have a call to action in it as well? No,
2: a call to action is just to set up an appointment.
0: Okay. So basically the, the physical mailer may say, Hey, we'd like to set up an appointment with you, but it's not saying go here to do it. It's saying one of our people is going to call you. Um, so is it passive at that point
2: the lead form will have a you know when's a good time to reach you generally you know what day of the week what time of the week um and then the sdr will call and set up the appointment and then usually there's a more technical sales rep who actually does the sales call or the does the demo
0: so you're giving them with the mailer and you're not you're not even asking at that point. You're just right. doing a give and the the it's follow just up is like when the comes. It's kind of like keep your things.
1: mind open for when we call. Just look mm-hmm. out for our call. So basically the ask is answer the telephone when we call. Yeah. That's or fill really out the,
2: out the ask. lead form. Yeah. I mean there's yeah. a lead form they can go to sign up to read, Okay, you so know. you do
0: direct them to a yeah. you give them a URL where they could go if they wanted to and Absolutely. fill in.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's usually a vanity URL and it repeats the campaign value proposition and the offer for their time um in the case of this um uh cloud to to take to, to cloud campaign uh, that we did for our client we actually sent them this little inside the box was this little survival tool that was like this little multi-tool and we said like this tool well, if you attend our demo, we're going to give you a super cool iFixit tool set, which was this a little uh, satchel full of a hundred different tools that people use, uh, you know, for fixing their iphone or their computer or right and you were targeting
1: it people so that's right. brilliant right. so you <laughs> yeah. sent
0: them a, a part of a larger thing and said you want yeah. the, we, we can the well, you sent and, them a bumper and said do you want the car and
1: it's very specific Absolutely. to like it geeks are totally going to be interested in that versus yeah. me not so much
0: so when it comes to response <laughs> what how many people are you seeing in the early stages in the physical mail and in the email that are becoming leads at that point without even making a call versus the um the SDRs calling setting right. up the appointment.
2: Yeah, you want to know what the inbound responders were. I am
0: gonna to have. To Do you have any rough that? idea? Again, I'm sure it varies from campaign to campaign. Yeah. But are you getting half of them inbound and half from the SDRs, or the SDRs ninety percent?
2: Usually, let's see. Direct mail inbound response is very high, so I would say nine to 10% are coming just inbound and then they're called and an appointment is scheduled from just the direct mail, maybe a mm-hmm. half a percent from email. Um Direct mail is just so much more effective for, for engendering that inbound response.
0: And I would imagine you probably get the best in that first step too. I mean, for the for the yeah. direct mail haters out there, again, the people who are going to receive the direct mail and then come to your site or call in versus a sales rep kind of chasing them down yeah. or or an SDR chasing I mean, them down. Those are the people have. who probably responded because they have an immediate need or interest right. in the specific uh, thing. We that's have gotten
2: sold. as high, and that was an average. I would say we have on some campaigns gotten as high as 20 to 30% inbound response. Um, hmm. It has a lot to do with the targeting of the list and and hitting the right people, but um, we've had clients that spell, send sell rather uh, very high end specialty test equipment well that's a very specific audience with a very specific uh, offer and they're easy to target and sending them a high end direct mail piece got just the right people with the right offer and they responded to just you know very very high percentage to the direct mail campaign.
0: Right. So the kind of when people, when SDRs are calling, they're probably going to have some sort of message like, Hey, at some point you're going to be interested in this. Maybe it's right now is the general feel. Whereas the mail piece, you're, you know, we always tell people any chunk of data you look at you can market out to, if it's properly targeted, a percentage of those people are thinking about the product or service they're offering right then. Like they're okay. in the process of buying or looking for that, that there's always going to be some people that are there. And with the physical mailer, you're kind of taking, you you're really, plucking those people off right away by having this soft give, but you still do have the call to action where those people who have that immediate need, who are very interested in selling or or in buying, I mean, um, are going to be your immediate responders. And you're saying that can be a good 10% plus. So
1: what is the overall ROI for the, uh, I mean, not ROI, what is the overall percentage that kind of, that actually does matriculate into sales Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, from the, from the whole campaign?
2: Yeah, so I actually know that for this case study I was quoting to you. So um, I have the first quarter's results. Um, mm-hmm. I I didn't have, I don't have access to any campaign metrics after the first quarter because my client actually right. went to another company. So <laughs> and she brought us well, to that, good for that so and, and so she moved and, to
0: another company not to yeah. another vendor for your service oh, yeah yeah right, right, right. okay well,
1: yeah. yeah so maybe maybe good for the client maybe good for you
0: Oh we love it when clients move to other companies cuz they almost always bring us with we say yay now we get a new company
2: Yeah but uh first quarter results um so we sent out 1300 we scheduled 230 demos and we know that there were 19 sales um and that was uh approximate value of seven hundred and sixty thousand um, wow our sales to cost ratio uh was uh I have this on a spreadsheet four dollars and sixty two cents in revenue for every dollar invested. Um, I would spend a dollar to make four sixty two any day of the week. Um, I would
1: do that to just make two dollars any day of the week, <laughs> yeah 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 so that's really good
2: thing. and and these you know this is a long sales cycle, so I'm sure that mm. beyond that, there were many more sales that I just don't have access right to. the
0: lifetime value if you looked at how many clients were brought right, in totally, yeah. you could probably say if you knew well, their lifetime value, sales, you could say, okay, right? there was nineteen sales, they're probably going to end up with you know thirty sales from it, and the lifetime I value would, is gonna be much higher
2: I would think that I would think so that would be a safe safe
1: option. and. Who knows if – and I don't know about this product in particular, but you know other products, they're probably going to buy again too. Mm-hmm. So then there's mm-hmm. always that. So. Yeah. so
0: there's kind of two ways people can go about this kind of a campaign, the Meeting Maker campaign, um, the multi-touch campaign like you're describing here. We've laid out a little bit of a roadmap for how they can do it. Um, but another way that we we definitely want, want to hit on is, like you're saying, these people in Silicon Valley everywhere, marketers, especially B2B marketers, are very – busy, very time consumed. And that's why Lori Beasley has an agency where right, people can yeah. go and get this exactly. service. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think you've given us some great details, but ultimately it comes down to you're the expert. Right. And, um, uh, so I, I, we're coming towards the end here. I just want to make sure we get all your info in here. So anybody who wants right. to know more about how this stuff works, what you guys do, what you can do for them, um, can, uh, can reach out to you, Lori.
1: Yeah, so Lori, can you tell us just a little bit about how we can find you and and what it is that, like all the services that that
2: your company offers? Sure. Well, um, we are uh, my company, Beasley Direct and Online Marketing Incorporated, is a full service direct and online marketing agency, and we help uh, clients uh, both B two C and B two B and implement their inbound and outbound marketing programs. We specialize in B2B and uh, execute uh, full demand generation programs on multiple channels, including search, uh, email marketing, content marketing, content networks, as well as direct mail and account-based marketing programs. And as you've learned from this podcast, we employ all the different channels that are out there to bring them all together with the one goal of developing and delivering qualified sales opportunities to your salespeople, so they can actually sell your product, and that's our um, that's our mantra, and that's what we we live by: developing qualified sales opportunities.
0: One more question, kind of about your guys' service: is there a? I know you said B2B, but is there a kind of a general size of company that you typically work with?
2: Boy, we work with all different kinds of companies from Fortune 500 to Fortune 100 to startups and mid-size. I would say yeah. oh, I, our favorite- I guess
0: more accurately would be, is there a marketing budget size you typically yeah, <laughs> right. work with?
2: Yeah, typically all sizes really because startups have you know very small budgets where they have to test a lot of online media and, and execute mostly online media. We work with startups- we work with mid-sized companies. Um, and those are probably our favorite to work with because they typically are at a growth path. They're typically going to say growth. Mid-sized funding. companies are awesome. Um, they're getting their funding. They have limited marketing resources and we literally become sort of their adjunct marketing department. We can mm-hmm. run their email programs for them. We work on all the marketing automation platforms and, uh, I can kind of come in as an adjunct CMO and help them do all their strategy and planning and then execute everything, write all the copy, do all the design program, all the programming on their website and landing pages that these programs require and just make it all happen. One thing I would add add
0: is
2: um, typically for B2B, I notice one thing and that is um, companies One of the things that's making marketers grouchy and exhausted is sort of this race to execute content and race to Mm -hmm. execute events as their two main marketing sort of programs every month. And um, all of those things take immense resources internally to plan, create, execute. And I'm not saying don't do those but doing a meeting maker program like this, this can all happen sort of outside of all those day-to-day activities that you're creating out there. We can come in, give us a brief on the product and the solution, and we go away, we come up with the concept, we write the copy, we design the thing, we get it in the mail, we do the telemarketing, we host the email and the landing page if you need us to, and and it's sort of like a self-cleaning oven. We kind of just go do it and take care of it and deliver these leads to you. And so while you're busy doing all the other millions of things you have to be doing, we can kind of just make this happen for you.
0: Right. So I think there's two things when, you, when you're when you going to start working with somebody or you're talking to them about starting to work with them that you, you should give them. One is a margarita glass. Oh my Tell gosh. Them they're going to need that when they freed up a lot Jokes. of time because you're running this stuff. Um, well, they kick their feet up at their desk and have margaritas and, you, and you're, you guys are doing the hard work generating the leads for their sales team. And the other, you should probably make a template if you don't already have it um, for a thank you letter from the salespeople at their company to, ah. you, to you guys. So, so they can thank you guys appropriately <laughs> for all of the uh, yeah for all the good leads that you're laying at their feet.
2: <laughs> That's a- yeah. And you know, it, it, that is a great point. Uh, we actually, we, have, we would have a weekly call with this cloud company that we are running this program for. And this, the SDR, their sales rep, who we were doing scheduling the demo appointments with would be on this weekly call with us. His name was Rich. And, um, you know, there's always skepticism right when you go in and you start pitching this like, Oh yeah, if you give someone a $200 gift, they're going to, they're going to show up for the gift. Right. And I'm like, no, they're not. These people are busy. If they're not, when they start collecting commissions, they're they're showing up with their thank yous. I bet. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, you know, every week I would say rich. Okay. We gave you, you know, we scheduled 10 appointments or 20 appointments for you last week. Okay. Did you have them all? what was the engagement like? And he would always tell us it was great. They were educated. They knew they had great questions. And I, and I would always ask him, well, were there any looky loose just wanting to get the $200 gift? He says, yeah, maybe one. Um, Mm -hmm. so he said, that's right.
0: Rich, apologize. (laughs) to (laughs) me. That's,
2: That's hardly anything. You know, I, you know, if I had 29 great appointments with people that are probably going to turn into real prospects, and I had one guy who wasn't interested in anything but a $200 gift, I, I would accept that, right? And yeah. so, um, you know, so the salespeople really dig on this; they really love it, and and you're getting them really high quality prospects that are really interested in learning about the product.
0: Yeah, that's. I think uh, there's nothing that sales reps like more than marketing, feeding them really sellable stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we are wrapping up, and you know, I know that uh, people will probably have some questions for you. So, if you guys have listeners have questions for Lori, you can, or if you're just interested in her services, you can contact her at info at Beasley, which is B E A. S L E Y direct.com. Or you can give her a phone call at 408 782 0046. And that's extension 21. So you have her direct number. So you can feel free to ask her questions. Uh, feel free to ask us questions. You can send us emails at elephanttestmail.com. And you know, go subscribe go to, to us. Com. Yeah, yeah, go to the elephant com, leave us comments, subscribe. And we've been really loved having you on, Lori. You've been so fantastic. And I will also make sure to put some resources on our um, show notes page so that if people want to know more about both Beasley Direct services, they can do that, but also Meeting Maker campaigns will get you guys some resources up yeah. there.
2: So. I'm gonna send you Alicia um, a case, a couple of case studies. How's that? Perfect. Up
1: so we'll get those up there, awesome. and that'll be super fantastic. And you guys, listeners, can go read them.
0: All right, thanks, thanks for joining for being us. Being here. Talk to you later, Lori.
2: Go forth and make qualified leads. I love that. All <laughs> right? right. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> a quick word from our sponsor.
1: Effective marketing starts with good data. At Mountaintop Data, we are experts at developing and maintaining high-quality marketing lists. With tens of millions of highly accurate records and more data being added daily, we're sure to have the contacts you need. Learn more at mountaintopdata.com.
0: Hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Elephant Test. Check out the show notes at elephanttest.com. Thank you so much for listening from all of us here at The Elephant Test. Until next time. This
1: podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.